Gavin. Hey, Louie. How has it been, girly girl? It's been good. This is you in the flesh, in, in the, the person. Flesh. I'm a little bit wet. <laughs> It's a That's just because I'm here. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's a steamy New York night. Me and Gavin are trapped in his back room. The fan's off. The fan is off. That's all for your listening pleasure yeah. at home. I yeah, want, yeah. I want everybody we're to know. sweating for you, babes. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and then we take two weeks, watch so many goddamn movies. Mm-hmm. And then we spit out a whole history for you, and then we tell you what we like and what we don't like. Yeah, we mix up those reviews real good. We do. Um, we're not alone today. No, we're not. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, not the oh, no. <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest. Please welcome to the stage, Kevin. Hi. Hi. Hi, guys. Hello. Huge, huge, huge honor to be on here. I've been listening to you guys for a few years. Definitely oh. one of my inspirations to start my own podcast so thank you so much shut up <laughs> zooming in from the great state of oklahoma um my uh, boyf- great state okay sure my boyfriend's family lives in uh, tulsa so oh, no, do they uh, yeah. yeah okay and i went to school in I'm north sorry. texas which is close-ish to oklahoma yeah, yeah, yeah. and right. i was just in south carolina which is very similar yeah. i think it's in, in terms the of United politics states. yeah <laughs> we love yeah. geography mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um before we jump into today's episode, yes. or this episode, we have a little bit of old business. Just a tiny bit. Um, our last episode, we talked about the icon, Regina Hall. Oh my goodness. Um, had so much fun watching with her. Yes. Um, had so much fun uh, getting into the discourse online with folks, talking about her filmography and um, what she has coming up. She has a lot of a lot of stuff in the fire. So many people are excited about the, the best man final chapters. I know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so. As they should be. Um, but we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite movie, and here are the results. Uh, and last place was Other with 7%. We didn't really get anyone saying what there no. was, though. I think we got maybe one, but now I can't even remember what it was, so. Whatever that movie is. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. We're, we're glad you love it. Other, <laughs> th- other than that, don't, don't throw your vote away. Don't vote Other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in second place, we got Girls Trip with 21%. Um, and I say in second place because we have a tie for first place. Um, oh. Scary Movie, which was my pick, and Support the Girls, which was your pick, uh, both came in at 36%, which I think is just the perfect, you know, it, the range. The yes. range. <laughs> well, it proves that she can do so much because uh, Scary Movie is such a broad comedy. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say anything bad about it because our new fans on TikTok will say mean things to me about not liking Scary Movie. <laughs> Gavin has waded into the dangerous waters of TikTok and oh, no. le- I, I'm, I'm scared for you. Let me tell you, as a TikTok old man, not a TikTok teen, it's scary there. Uh, but And then you get the dramatic chops that come out in Support the Girls, as well as the comedic beats, but just really able to show that range from ultra silly to to very indie serious yeah. kevin uh what what do you like with regina what any thoughts any feelings um i was listening to your episode and i was like i i was just like it one of them has to pick scary movie and i assume somebody's gonna pick a more dramatic support the girls and <laughs> i mean the thing with scary movie it's like yeah if you watch it now you're just like ugh, ugh, ugh. but eight-year-old me Yes, uh, it, it's, it's still fucking hilarious. And do I laugh at jokes that I shouldn't be laughing at? Yes, but yes. I, I'm laughing because the eight year old me is just like, <laughs> you know, these these are bones. <laughs> this is a skeleton. This is bones. This, yeah. I mean, I, Gavin was mentioning earlier. You know, people on TikTok were saying like, "It's not for you," blah blah blah. Which, like, I 
is valid, and it's also not like I. I mean, there, there are things that shouldn't be made for anyone. Um, <laughs> but I mean, scary movie. The thing that I took away from that, like, though, I think it was, you know, for a lot of people, especially black women, like that seeing themselves on the screen, you know, like uh-huh. and and being able to poke fun at themselves, you know, and being able to. Uh, take the piss out. And, and Brenda, like we said, it was really smart. It's fucking funny. She stole the entire movie. She stole the entire movie. And deservedly so, Cindy is a dumb white blonde bitch. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Brenda stands. Thank you for voting. Regina, we cannot wait to see what else is coming down the pipeline. Um, but we are moving on. Moving on. So this week, we have an extra special subject. Kevin, when you contacted me, I was on your show, Almost Major. And you Yay. were like, hey... Uh, would you ever be into picking this next subject? So could you please tell our audience who we're going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about Juliet Lubis. Mm-hmm. We're getting kooky and we're getting booky. <laughs> we certainly oh boy. are. <laughs> now, my initial reaction when you pitched Juliet Lewis was no. <laughs> Why just, is that? Why I is want, that? I want that on the record. And only because, not because I don't think she's a good actor. I think she's actually a fantastic actor. But it was her connection to the Church of Scientology, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. waters that we here at the Mixed Reviews don't really want to wade into, right, right. In, in all honesty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you told me a amazing piece of information that as of December 2021, she has renounced her affiliation with the Church of Scientology. <laughs> and I so. read that and I was like, did somebody edit this so that I could do the episode? <laughs> so I was like, I did, not, I did not even know that. I was like, oh. And then I looked and I was like, actually, she just left. Yay. <laughs> it, was, it was surely a quantum leap moment. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh-huh. History changed for the better. But... That's what I meant by that. We all watch Quantum Leap. I'm not ancient. Anyways. <laughs> yes, I know what Quantum Leap is, Gavin. You fucking yeah, it's nerd. On, yeah, it's on MeTV right now. Yeah. It, it probably is at a <laughs> mini marathon. Uh, R.I.P. Dean Stockwell. But I think what's really interesting about Juliette Lewis is the way that she sort of fully throws herself into these roles, which is not to say that anybody else we have. I feel like I say that about (laughs) actors we cover but she is from she's a legacy which i didn't know about and i had seen her dad in many films i've seen westerns before he's there Mm. and but finding out like her backstory and how she you know she comes from this family that like encouraged her to be emancipated from them and it's a wild childhood that leads to this wild personality. Yeah. And I I think she's kind of a fascinating subject to delve into. Kevin, I want to know, like, why did you bring her to us? What was your, like, inspiration? Um, well, I'm a, a child of the 90s, but I'm also just obsessed with 90s actresses. And that also stemmed from Yellow Jacket starting, where we have her yeah. and we have, you know, everybody else on that. And I was just like, you know, there's just in like all this. When I think about her, I don't think about movies from like 2010, even though she has right, right. good late, late career stuff. But like, there's just I just saw all the 90s stuff and it was just like, that would be very interesting to get into. Not to spoil my uh, my experience with this, but um not all of them were that interesting to get into, but but welcome regardless, to the mixed reviews. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, like even the ones that weren't even that good, she was always a shining star in it, and it was always doing her thing. I could always rely on her. It was just more so everything around her. Growing up, you know, whenever you saw her in a movie, it's like, oh, it's that girl. Like you know, yeah. even when I was too young to know who she was, I was just like, oh, I always know that she fucking brings it, and mm-hmm. she's such a like specific energy. I feel like. 
and we'll get into it as we go through her career, like she's kind of always operating on like one of two modes. It's either like innocent demure girl or like fucking wild child, yeah. like just yellow jackets level shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, finding the places in between was interesting and we'll probably see that as we go later into her career. But um, yeah, I'm excited because like you said, Kevin, there are a lot of movies she made where it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But also she was like, I feel like her and Parker Posey were like the faces of the '90s independent, um, right. you know, Sundancey level stuff, where it's like cool, weird shit. And it's but it's interesting that you bring up Parker Posey because I I do think you couldn't pick more sort of opposite in tactic yeah. types <laughs> of actresses because they both play these very or have a tendency to play these very quirky eccentric characters, but. Juliette Lewis is usually kind of broad. It's usually mm-hmm. these big, like, she's throwing herself whole hog. And Parker, who we've done an episode on before, like, she's usually more reserved, more quiet, sardonic. Internal. Internal. And it's interesting to watch them, too, because they do actually end up in a movie together, mm-hmm. Mixed Nuts, uh, which I doubt we'll really talk that much about. But, you know, yes. but, it, but it is funny. She often brings it up, too. And I, I think what's interesting too is i think she likes those performances where she's able to tone it down just a tiny bit because whenever and i found this at least three times whenever anybody brings up natural born killers and the the way it's lasted and the the statement it's made on society she almost always follows it up with but yeah i made a small nora efron comedy after that nobody talks Mm -hmm. about it yeah yeah because it's mixed nuts yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're like and there is a reason i followed up natural born killers with a nora efron comedy i love telling the story Mm. because you're also your career trajectory you become known for what hit right and i did a nora efron comedy with steve martin and adam sandler and madeline khan right after natural born killers had it been, had it hit, wow. had people seen it, I would have been, been a genius. Okay, very cool. Well, why don't we get into our rewind and get to know Juliette Lewis a little bit better? Juliette Lake Lewis was born on June 21st, 1973, in Los Angeles, California. Her father, Jeffrey Lewis, and his first wife, Glennis uh, Batley. Uh, who is a graphic designer. Jeffrey Lewis was an actor. Uh, She has seven siblings or half siblings. When she was two years old, Lewis's parents divorced and she spent her childhood living between both of their homes in LA. Um, And her first on-screen appearance was an uncredited bit part in Bronco Billy, in which her father played a sporting role. That's a Clint Eastwood movie. So my dad did a lot of, early on, a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, a lot of, uh, well, he did High Plains Drifter. So the first movie sets were like, you know, the makeup and hair people taking care of my dad's, you know, ramshackly little kids while he goes and works. Mm -hmm. And we just sort of had a lay of the land. The set that they weren't shooting in was our was our playland. Guys would be bloodied and this and just hanging out, drinking coffee. And and it was the world of make-believe. Lewis made her first major screen appearance in the TV film Home Fires. Uh, She was sort of praised for this performance. Uh, And then she started immediately doing sitcoms. It's, was she like, the family biz was always the thing? 
Like, yeah. it was just, like, no no question? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it seems... I, I heard that she was more so, like, into music at first, and then she was doing this. That but makes all, sense. Yeah, always, like, entertainment as a type of thing. She always wanted to express herself, but it was never like, I'm going to be an actress. It was always like she did piano, and then she did this, and then this, and it was just, like, kind of a natural progression into acting. Because she has released music, correct? Yes. Oh, she has released so much music. Yeah. I, yeah. I googled, I was trying to find the movie Bleeding Romeo, or whatever the fuck it's called. Romeo is bleeding? Sure. Bleeding Romeo. Um, <laughs> and I googled Romeo, <laughs> Juliet Lewis, and she has a song called Romeo, and I was like, it's like a music right. video. I was like, okay. <laughs> While she's wandering around doing her TV work, uh, starring in I Married Dora, which is a TV series from 87 to 88, um, at age 14, she was illegally emancipated from her parents on their suggestion wild my parents helped me get emancipated from the child labor laws when you start acting when you're younger you talk to other actor kids and their moms and they're like yeah if you want to get the job they like on your resume to say emancipated minor versus minor because you then can work over eight hours that cool <laughs> I, yeah i mean like mom was like honey if you're gonna get that fucking part we need to Get out of the house. <laughs> um, for a little bit, she was living with actress Karen Black, whom I love. And wow. at age age 15, she decided to drop out of high school and pursue acting full time. That's fucking... I mean, that is kind of radical. She's saying it sounds radical, but it is. It's like, absolutely... That's not is. normal no, for most I people. Mean, yeah. You'd be like, Mom, I gotta get out of here. I gotta be in Christmas vacation. You're yeah. holding me back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're holding me back, Mom. <laughs> I have to be the third Audrey. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's such an odd thing to be like, oh, for the for the business portion, it's better if you aren't living with us. If you are, so she had to move out of the house. Yeah, because she was no longer legally like their right, right, seen They're, as their child. Right. Imagine at fifteen. I mean, but I guess if you grow up fast, your dad's in movies, you're around sets all the time. Right. <laughs> Being emancipated and then four years later, you're going to be in natural born killers. Yeah, right. Jesus. I know. Like that's it's, insane. <laughs> It's bonkers to remember how young she is in that movie, especially because that portrayal doesn't feel young. No, it it does feels not. very lived in. And I know we're going to get to that. I know there's a weird jumping point to like move into that. <laughs> Kevin's like, fuck it. I'm hard <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> <But> no, <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, I think it's really hilarious that she makes that movie and then not, but like two years later makes from dusk till dawn and which she's playing considerably younger mm-hmm. and, <laughs> but anyways so, weird. Um, so she's talked about that she doesn't really have any training she took a couple of classes i i did go to a, a cold reading workshop when i was 11 but i went to three classes it was this lovely woman who um had taught just a handful of kids in her backyard and we would read scenes and i guess i developed a sense of um improvisation and but basically I learned the one thing for auditions is when you're given material in five minutes to look at the line make it your own and say it to commit to it I mean that is an art in it in and of itself anyway she died the third time I went it's it's funny and tragic funny now but at the time I was like I'm not going to class anymore that's so sad she's keeps 
saying these things like I know how it sounds, but guys, it's <laughs> I, super chill. Don't worry about it. I think it. she's such a nervous interview that it makes for such a good interview. Yeah. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. that. Because she's just kind of like, I'll just say whatever and you can piece it together. <laughs> um, Very manic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And but but she you know, she's talked about she grew up with a like a big imagination, and and so it was easy for her. That like, somebody found a, a really old interview clip of her being like acting as lying, and I've just been really good at lying. And it like cuts that. back to her. I she's, fucking love that. <laughs> it cuts great. back to her, and she's like that little shit. <laughs> Try to really feel like death is near, and really put myself in that head frame for hours on end. I mean, I don't understand that. I just understand that acting is lying, and you can lie a million different ways, and and but you are faking it. I love that. That's nineteen ninety five. Smart ass. Dust That's all dark. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I just love like how unpretentious she kind of like sees all yeah. this, and that's probably just because she grew up in it and is seeing there was never any romance, right? Mm-hmm. It was just like. The work. Well, that's the thing, is it's work. Yeah, it's absolutely work. I mean, even to, and once again, not to harp on the emancipation thing, but it's wild to me that she'd mm-hmm. be, like, business-minded at 14 and be like, listen, I got it, like, walking in with, like, a, a briefcase <laughs> and a power suit and yeah. being like, mom, dad, I'm out of <laughs> here. Um, she gets a small part in the science fiction comedy My Stepmother's an Alien, and then her first major supporting role is the aforementioned National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think this is maybe the first time I saw her as a kid. It had to like, have been for me too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I probably saw, I, I've seen this movie, as a, but I didn't clock who she was. You know, right. Like, obviously. But I, it's, it is a performance that I found memorable. But I also think it's because as a child, I think by the third vacation movie was when I picked up on the fact that the kids were different different kids yeah. different mm-hmm. at each time and she was so radically different looking than the previous Audrey because the yeah. previous Audrey and you know it was a heavier set person and and also she was seemingly older and then was suddenly <laughs> younger yeah <laughs> And so, but other than that, I don't know if there's that much to say about Christmas Vacation other than I know there's people who watch it every year. I'm not a Christmas movie person, so I don't. It's uh, a classic. It's a good bar movie. Yeah, yeah. The shitter's full. That's what I remember mostly from it. <laughs> um, she followed roles in the independent dystopian film Meet the Hollowheads, which I did watch. And that That's is a like a wild time. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely like a VHS little curio. It was directed by Thomas R. Berman, who's also a makeup artist. And because he's a makeup artist, it's like every chance they get, they're like, here's some pink goo, and here's some meat slicing off of a thing, and here's some like, you know, big prosthetics. And it's like famous makeup artist trick meat slicing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh-huh. got it, dude. Got got your your gooey gag. When I uh, watched that, I, uh, I saw that it was on YouTube, and I was like, this. This looks like somebody ripped it on VHS. I was like, Amazon has it for 99 cents. It's same. It's in standard definition. Yeah, I'll do that. It's the same exact copy that's on YouTube. <laughs> it's the same. Rip. I, I like previewed it on Amazon and was like, oh, I avoided that. I avoided giving ah. my 99 cents to. They gotcha, Kevin. Um, yeah, she also is in The Running Kind, which is another movie I fully watched and then was like, oh, she's like in three scenes. So great. But she's still sort of doing TV back and forth. But her first big break comes from. Cape Fear. Yeah. She plays Danielle Bowden, the daughter of a family targeted by psychopathic criminal Max Cady, played by Robert De Niro. It's a Scorsese film, comes out in 91. 
it's, it's funny, she talked about this because her career was really moving in this direction. She didn't want it, which once again, just pointing it out that she's like... 17 yeah, yeah yeah and she's like ugh, my career so she's <laughs> she's like i'm retiring fucking wild 17 out of the business and this and project then, and then marty calls yeah. well <laughs> I mean, so she, she auditions for this she is the first person they see and they proceed to see 500 other girls Ooh, audition what a waste of time yeah yeah you can't person. hire the first girl and so they went all around the u.s looking at ingenues and experienced girls and new people and and went back to to me i did get called back like four times and it was a really lengthy audition but it was yeah it was awesome she's also saying that one of the reasons that she really wanted out of the business was because doing all this television they were really pushing her towards this like specific sitcom tv type acting yeah. they were hiring her acting coaches that were like smile more yeah and she's like that's not she was like guys do you not get that i'm fucking weird <laughs> i had done sitcoms that's all there was offered to a, a young person in the acting arena and when i had blonde hair i was the pretty airhead and when i had brown hair i was the sarcastic, uh, you know, moody daughter. So that's as, <laughs> that's as silly as it was. Uh, but here's what's funny is so I was doing this sitcom and they, they actually hired an acting teacher for me to try to get me to conform. So all those things that Scorsese later validated, they were trying to tear it down, you know, they were, so they'd hire an acting teacher to try to get me, you know, literally who'd go smile, you know to try to get me to have more energy and to not fidget, to stand up straight and be like, gee, dad, I don't understand, you know, and deliver, to try to get me to do that stuff because that's what was going on on TV at the time. I, I did leave out, and just to travel back in time real quick, like Dr. Sam Beckett of Quantum Leap. God damn it, Kevin. <laughs> oh, boy. She, in 1990, she does the TV film Too Young to Die, where she meets Brad it's, Pitt. I think it's pronounced Too Young to Die. To die? <laughs> um, <laughs> question mark? Yeah, don't want to leave that out. Uh, it's a film in which she plays a young woman who's coerced into murder. I know you liked it a little bit less than I did, Kevin, and I, I gave it I, I gave it like a three star just because... I was a little surprised at, like, how liberal it was for the time period it was in. I realized, I mean, I had seen this movie before when I was too young to understand it, for sure. When you were too young to die? When I was too young to die. <laughs> too young to watch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, in my head, at our house, we had a DVD of this. I don't oh, know wow. why. I don't know why. But I remember watching it and, like, not understanding it. I watched it again for this, and I was like, oh, this is very fucking dark. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's really good, and I'm just like, it's also very strange to see Brad Pitt and being like, "You're not attractive at all." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was what that would have been two years before Thelma and Louise. So yeah, yeah, it's just bizarre. But also that movie is just very much like, oh, this guy who wants to do the right thing, but then ends up not. But like, I get there's like this army guy who's like, young girl. Let's not have sex and I'll take care of you. And then uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but what if? And he's like, okay. I'm like, God damn it. Like there's. I got kicked out of the army because I had sex with you. Get out. And you're like, yeah, what? Yeah. I was like, you're <laughs> not a good guy, actually. Um, but she's. I, the main thing is like the end of the movie ends and it's like 
there are lots of, you know, kids who are killed or on death row. And I was like, oh, this was fully at the time when, like, the government was freaking out that, like, teenagers were murderers. Right. And mm-hmm. we needed to, like, have, like, tough on crime shit. But but also at the same time, I did appreciate that it was like, but also maybe we should rethink capital punishment because right. oh, it's, it's well, like, like the end mm-hmm. of the movie is like that court scene where like the the lawyer is like, fuck teens, fuck, you know, kids who are behaving badly. We need to set an example. And then the end of the movie, she's just like crumpled talking to this fucking lawyer and she's like, they're going to kill me. So they're taking me to death row. I'm going to die now. And then the ending is like, you know, that fucking little postscript that's like, there are hundreds of 15 year olds who are set to be fucking killed by the US government this year. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, kilt, uh, uh, fuck teens and fuck all that. That's Gavin on TikTok. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I was that lawyer. Yeah. That lawyer yeah. was me. Uh, I will say troubling in her personal life that, as I mentioned, this is when she first meets Brad Pitt. They begin a relationship. Now, for those playing the home game, she's 16 at this point. Brad uh-huh. Pitt is 26. That's Disco- not 16. That's bad. Okay. That's this, really bad. That's disgusting. Yeah, yeah that's really... Uh, it begins a seven-year-long relationship. He was 26. He was 26. Jesus. Uh, most people don't remember the fact that he had yeah. dated her uh, because they think of like the high-profile like John Aniston. I knew, Aniston, I knew that they had dated. I just didn't realize how... That long, yeah. That yeah. long, but also like... That early in her career, and also the age difference. That's ten whole fucking years. Yeah. And she's fully a minor. She's absolutely a minor. Whenever I get asked about the Brad questions, I'm like, do you want to talk about Rodney Rosine, my seventh grade crush? Because <laughs> that was my boyfriend, too. I do. I but do you guys talk don't about... want to talk about Rodney. I no, she also runs into some legal trouble at the age of 16, which makes her a total <sighs> badass. Um, and I want to tell you what it is, which is that she went to a uh, dance club. Mm. And she was oh. not old enough to be at the dance club. So she's charged with underage drinking. I have not been able to decipher if she was actually drinking or not. She does end up having substance abuse issues, which we'll get to later. But she has a mugshot from this. Oh. Uh, and she oh, like I didn't joke- see this. Oh, yeah. She jokingly asked uh, if she could keep it because she wanted to put it up on her wall someday. And her father, as a present later in life, actually did get a Amazing. hold of it and blow blew it up, and it's in her living room. Amazing icon, icon shit. Yeah, and she's and she's like, yeah, like it. It gives me like street cred, but then I have to tell people like, yeah, it was uh just because I was at a dance club at sixteen. So it's really wild though, because I think in Too Young to Die, she compared to Cape Fear, Cape Fear, she looks so young. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I mean, I thought she was like fucking actually 13 14 in that movie um but it's probably because obviously in too young to die she's really sexualized you know yeah and dancing half naked or whatever um but she cape fear comes after yeah huh i do want to say and maybe this is the time to bring it up and we will see this amongst many of her 90s films she's incredibly young in this business and oftentimes she is very sexualized. She is. And yeah. I know a lot of it is by quote unquote bad people. You know, you look at the way Max Cady sexualizes her in right. Cape Fear. You look at Too Young to Die. You look at uh, Romeo's Bleeding. 
And you could say like, oh, well, the the person who's like having these intimate relationships with her is not somebody you're supposed to be rooting for. But I do think there is something about the male gaze because also those characters are often presented as like cool. Yeah. I mean, even uh-huh. like, you, you can go as far as like Stranger Days, you know, yeah. like, she's always the and this is the thing I think. Well, Strange Days. But. Strange Days. Sorry. But like a part of it is like she plays broken very well yeah she's very good at it but unfortunately a lot of these movies it's you know california like it's this all these movies where she is a victim um and not only a victim but a victim who has to like take her clothes off and 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 Mm -hmm. so it it, just in this experience because we watch so many of her movies in a short amount of time well that's the thing you notice is when you watch them in this compressed thing you're like oh no yeah and so i mean and that's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. She has these two modes where, like, you know, one of them for sure is delicate, broken, or taking advantage of young woman. Um, and even in, like, you know, she isn't, like, a sexual being or whatever in Cape Fear. I mean, right. it, it, there's no, like, fucking. But, but there is but, but there's there is a sexual undertone to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That mode, I think, especially after Cape Fear... People keep going back to that well, yeah. and she keeps getting a lot of roles in that vein. Um, but I thought she was incredible in Cape Fear. Oh, she absolutely is. And oh, as, yeah. we, as we mentioned, she's the daughter of this family that's being stalked by Robert De Niro. I rewatched it for this. I had not seen it in a while. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. And I, the thing that struck me, it's something different every time, but the thing that struck me so much in this, this rewatch was... Just how truly unstoppable Robert De Niro is. Like, he is a literal <laughs> demon from hell sent to destroy oh, this family. By the end of it, he's just like, you're just like, this is this is Freddy Krueger. Like, this yeah. is Jason. He, like, he's, he's just screaming Bible verses while yeah. it's pouring down. It's wild. I <laughs> thought it, the movie was over when she burned him. I was like, wow, she did it. <laughs> and then, nope. fully, nope. I was like, wow, she burned him and then he drowned. <laughs> uh her most famous scene in the film is a like school. in the school. Oh it's like a, a pseudo so... seduction. Um, Max Katie has been calling her. She does not know that this man is a bad guy. And I love yeah. that she reiterates that in a lot of interviews because she always talks about how people are like, oh, how, how why would she let him get so close to her? And and she's like, you forget like his rape of Ileana Douglas, the awful things he does to Ileana Douglas happen in away away from her she's not aware of them she's a child also yeah and so she goes to meet him uh, who she thinks is this like high school theater director in her high school and he's very creepy very sexual he he puts his finger in her mouth she does like the she's so good because she's like kind of intrigued and she's at that age you know where she's like kind of learning about sex but of course because it's fucking in the u.s no one's taught her really about yeah. this stuff and so she's right. intrigued but she does this thing where she's like embarrassed and she like kind of covers her eyes uh-huh. but she like but she's kind of like i want to know what this is i what like there's yeah. someone who's interested in me yeah and, like that's so this guy say. fucking puts his finger in her mouth and it's it's so good it's so creepy but like she plays it so well that she really has this innocence um just like down you thought about me last night, didn't you? Um, yes, I did. I know. Do you mind if I put my arm around you? Um, um. So 
okay. No, I don't mind. Are we going to talk about her uh, cornrows at the Oscars now, or oh, later? Uh, give, give it just give it just one beat because I do want to okay. say something about that scene. So that scene is three takes. Wow, wow. Uh, that is the first take that's wow. in the movie, and on top of that, Scorsese was like, "Forget what's written in the script." Wow. He said the one thing that's going to happen in this scene is that. Robert De Niro is going to do something to you and just mm-hmm. go with it. Wow. And so that entire scene is them improving. And I I have to say amazing because the Queen the, shit. the part that sticks with me the most is at the end of the scene he leaves and she's there for a moment and then you can see like she knows what just happened as well. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's not graphic by any no. means. But it's not pleasant either. And you like see, you can read it all over her in her body language and her face. And she just looks so uncomfortable. And then she runs out of the room. It's pitch perfect decision making. Yeah. That's so good. Genius. So, as you mentioned, she gets nominated for the Academy Awards. (laughs) I just looked up her card. Had you not seen it? I had not seen it. Oh, my goodness. I just watched an old episode of SNL last night where it was like the week after the 92 Oscars and it opened with Wayne's World talking about like her cornrows. Was, I was just like, oh shit, I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, as I mentioned, supporting actress at the Academy Awards nominee, also Golden Globe nominee for supporting <laughs> actress. She, But she has been asked retroactively, like, do you regret the cornrows? And she's like, no, I was a little shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean... What I ask anyone if they regret shit that they did when they're sixteen or seventeen, especially like, in and like once again, I don't think it's appropriate, but also it's ninety one. Yeah, like, like it's, right. Uh, white people are terrible in all time periods. Yeah, it's ninety one. Yeah, um, I'm my own mom and dad. I'm yeah, exactly. cornrows, <laughs> and you can't tell me nothing. You can't yeah. tell me what to do. That's what emancipation gets you. Hello. <laughs> um, in in ninety two, uh, she has a supporting role in Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives, and I played uh, the famous Woody Allen card that we established in the Diane Keaton episode, which is that I will no longer be watching yes. uh, Woody Allen films for this show. So she could be the most amazing person in the movie. She could have solved world hunger in the film. We will never know. I will never know. She also does the movie That Night, which is a coming-of-age drama set in the 1960s. So I love That Night. Yeah. The baby Catherine Heigl. Baby Elijah Dushku. Baby, oh, my God. <laughs> Just years guys... away from Soul Survivors? Man. Oh, my <laughs> Your God. Your favorite film? Your favorite Oh, man. You guys know that I fucking hate child actors. Yes. But in this movie... I love them so all. So cute. I love them yeah, all. Oh my goodness. They're so good. Uh, it was very like um, Crybaby via My Girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just so Th- good. This is a movie, and this is not a spoiler alert because it's so dumb. This is a movie that has the audacity to end its film with like, but that summer changed my life. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so cute. But, but I, I liked this role. I liked this performance. And I liked that this was somebody that we hadn't seen from Correct. Juliette Lewis at Correct. this point. Mm-hmm. Because she's she's bleach blonde. I think I think a lot of people and I think there's a lot of comparisons because of Romeo's Bleeding and because of this other independent film that I think we all saw, Room for Rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of Marilyn comparisons, but I would actually say this is her at her most Jane Mansfield. Who are you? I work here. I'm Rick. <laughs> you want to let go of my hand, Rick? You think you can control yourself? Don't stop shaking when you do. 
I just love though, like you're seeing for most of the movie, you're seeing her through the eyes of this young right. girl, right? And that's what makes it work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and she, it's this young girl who just like uh, loves her, is obsessed with her, and she's just like, I, she has her same perfume, listens to the same <laughs> records, and then finally like realizing, you know, oh, also just like I love like her making out with her hot boyfriend on the lawn, and all the old ladies are like mad, but like also mm-hmm. jealous. See, Thomas Howell plays her boyfriend. Oh, who could we forget? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, this movie, like, gives you that outsider's feeling yeah. because it is, like, right. kind of, like, it's, like, white-on-white crime in this movie. Yeah, you're, like, yeah, they're, yeah, like, yeah. mad. Like, you're you're white, but not the right type of white. It's, like, okay, yeah. fucking uh-huh. nice. uh, oh. Apparently, she was not, like, the director on this. She was did not get along with and the director did not like her. Uh-oh. It doesn't show in the performance. I will give yeah. them that, like... Because she was, she was uh, uh, contrasting Natural Born Killers, where she got to do so much stuff and improvise and whatnot, and then on this movie, it was like, to the T, the director, if she did anything wrong, she he tried to get the other actors to, like, like gang up on her wow. because she wasn't doing her job right and stuff like that, wow. so, What yeah. a dick. Aggressive yeah. behavior. It's interesting, too, to, like, listen to her talk about working with directors, because she has said that she really thinks directors are... She thinks of them as teachers. Well, I'm not academically trained in the sense... Well, I'm just not. Um, My dad would take us out of school every now and then, like lie to the teachers, we're going to the dentist, and take us to Star Wars. You know, I didn't graduate high school, but I got to see Star Wars and skip those lines. All my directors have been my teachers. Mm. That's how I look at them, as my teachers. and, And... whether I didn't understand it at the time, I really got something from each one of them, good and bad directors, because, mm. of course, I've been directed by the best that cinema has to offer. It's interesting to hear her talk about the the way different people work and how she works within that yeah. system. 93, she's in Peter Medic's neo-noir Romeo's Bleeding with Gary Oldman. We mentioned that it's not a big role. She's his, like, teenage lover... Very Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying to remember, like, specifics from the movie. I can't. The only thing I walked away from Romeo was bleeding is thinking that Lena Olden should have played the Joker at some point. Okay. <laughs> because she's I, so good at it. I didn't get around to watching it, and then I was just like, let me watch the trailer, because oh. I, I just know it's a neo-noir, and then I watched the trailer, and I was like, this made me not want to watch it, but I guess I'll still yeah. watch it, but then I never got to. <laughs> no, it's deranged, and not in a pleasant way. She reunites with Brad Pitt in the movie California, um, and she plays a kind of childlike woman who is, her boyfriend is a serial killer. I had, I think in my brain, because it comes so close to Natural Born Killers, I was like, oh, well, she's killing people with him. And then I was like, oh, no, when I rewatched it. If this is problematic and you guys fucking tell me and we can edit it out, this movie and her portrayal of, her name's like Leah or... Adele. 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 I was like, it honestly was giving notes of the other sister. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's problematic. I do think it's a, I think you could, uh... This this might be problematic, but I, I do feel like it was a a dry run for yeah. I mean because I mean maybe. Adele is a, this literally no shade, but she's a simple you know and and, bro- and broken like again a broken um woman who like she tells that really fucking horrible story to carry about like when I was thirteen, a bunch of boys raped me and like yeah. and and hurt me real bad and and you know she's so convinced that this 
other bad guy is somehow better because he doesn't fucking rape her. Right. You know, even though he beats her, tells her he can't, she can't cuss or drink or smoke. Um, and he's like, he beats me, but he's never mean to me. And you're just like, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I think California is a wild movie. I don't necessarily love it. I think, I also think that Brad Pitt, and Juliette Lewis and Michelle Forbes are giving great performances, and David Duchovny is not. David, He's David, just Duchov- there. David yeah. Duchovny, the, the like, yes girl, give me nothing. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he was the last cast. He had to do screen tests with all of them for chemistry, and they picked him. Yeah. Anyways. Uh-huh. And uh, then the voiceover, and, oh, and it's yeah. also two hours long. Like It's I, two hours yeah. long. I did read a really interesting reading about how it's like kind of an attack on heteronormativity because. Brad Pitt is this character who wants to force rigid, like, women do this and men do that. And you have the Michelle Forbes as this very masculine presenting woman with the short hair and that she's disrupting their lives. Adele mm-hmm. wants to have hair like her and whatnot. And, right. and I was like, oh, this is all interesting. Perhaps more interesting than the actual movie. Than the movie itself. I, lo- I also love like, car- they're like, wow, look at those black and white nudes you took. <laughs> so fucking crazy. <laughs> You're so cool. It's oh like, okay, gosh. girl. My God, Carrie. If Early ever saw me in a picture like that, I'd be black and blue for a week. <clears throat> you shouldn't let him do that to you. You think Early's mean to me? <laughs> well, he's not. He may punish me once in a while, but he's not mean. I believe it was a during their time together on the film that Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis actually break up. Good. She next goes on to star in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, the Lassie Hellstrom directed film from 1993, co-starring He Who Should Not Be Named. And Leo. And Leonardo DiCaprio. I had never seen the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's a good, it's, it's another movie that's tough to parse because there is the Leo performance in it. And I don't think he's bad no. by any means. I think he's actually very good. Mm-hmm. But but it is that situation where it's like, yeah. What what's the, what's the difference between him and this? And it's you're like, eh, but it's not as embarrassing as her and the other sister. But it feels like the same note is being played. But it it feels wildly different. Kind it, of. It is a very odd time in the '90s where we've decided that like actors will portray handicapped people and people with special needs. Yeah, and for like. In an awards baity sort of way, absolutely. I mean, like we're we're barely in a time where people on the spectrum are be- yes. being able to play themselves on in TV. I mean, mostly in TV, I would say. You know, I don't. Right. I, I can't recall. Yeah. I mean, th- that these are conversations that are like are obviously difficult and tricky, especially because we're talking about a time period when like that wasn't even part of the conversation. Right. You know? Absolutely, mm-hmm. it was not. Yeah. Leo, for better or worse did a very good job yes you know and i think he did for being a young shit because he truly was in that time period i think he did a lot of really sensitive research and i think that does uh, i don't know it's so hard for me to discuss these portrayals i have a sister who has developmental disabilities because she was hit by a car three months before i was born and she's been that way her entire life and it's i I couldn't even make it through the other sister this time. I tried and yeah. I I couldn't you, do it. Wait, you wanted you rewatched it? 
I did. I, tr- I Goodness, tried. Sir. I, and the I like dedication made, I made, to the pod. I made it about halfway through and I was like, I, I absolutely cannot. And so it, it is, it is hard to watch these performances yeah. for me because, but also like not everybody has that personal connection and uh-huh. uh, you know. Yeah. I think it's like the, you know, I think every viewer has to decide for themselves, you know, like, is this something that you can, you know, detach yourself from or like, you know, the whole death of the author thing. Like, I mean, I, mm-hmm. there are people who can't fucking watch Harry Potter movies anymore, which like, right. pop yeah. off. Good. For, I mean, great. Like, yeah, you know, sure. it's like our decision to not watch any more Woody, Woody Allen movies. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Like, so I think it's, and, and I don't think it makes you a good or a bad person either way. For some people, there's values. For others, there's not. And that it's, it's just the, it's the nature of art. Okay. Like, and so... I will I will say she gives an amazing performance in this movie and though the movie's not about her she's mm-hmm. the outsider mm-hmm. in a way that she is the perspective of the audience like yep. she's a person who comes into their lives she's a, Again, a drifter gets to not gets to like play not like really fucking wild and not like damaged yeah. she gets to just you know kind of coast a little bit and and you get like the hints of a backstory you get like there's a reason why she travels so much but but it's I just think it's a really well performed subdued performance yep. and mm-hmm. I, I really like her quite a bit in it um also in 93 she plays a mental patient in melissa etheridge's come to my window music video oh ah, yeah. wow. the 90s really were like a moment for her yeah absolutely yeah and then 94 let's go natural born killers let's go uh, she plays mallory knox I, mer- I can in the background just have like some fucking guitars going. She's a murderous woman who embarks on a killing spree with her psychotic lover, Mickey, played by Woody Harrelson. Um, it's satirical. It's outrageous. It's postmodern. It's, it's a fucking acid trip. Yeah, it's it's all the things, you know, Oliver Stone's really trying to get across his message about like how bad the media is and how like sensationalized. Like, sensa- yeah. Sensationalized the, murderers like celebrities. Yeah. yeah. The romance of yeah. murder. And then and then also to like play with the preconceptions that people have about things. Like I to this day, I did not rewatch it for this because I'm so familiar with her performance. And and she's amazing, but mm-hmm. that that opening bit with her life as a sitcom and Rodney Dangerfield so and it's good. so so good, good. and yeah, and so like good. I think it's so smart to play it that way and it's so funny because you know uh, it, this was a Tarantino script if I'm if I'm right right or, yes but yeah he Tarantino it's a story by because they've they've gone through it right, so much Tarantino yeah. hates it because they like tore it apart which I think is so funny because he then later like makes his career making postmodern films, but whatever. It's kind of a masterpiece. It's hard to like deny it's a masterpiece, whether you love it or hate it, because I think you, you can say that in a negative way too. And so again, she's 19. Yes. Jesus Christ. I know. I, I never remember that she's 19. She seems so much older in this movie. What's funny is like this movie has some like notes of the California relationship yeah. just because well that's what I said I think in my brain I'd married them so yeah. like I needed to rewatch California so I could separate them and right. I, I, I had never seen either of these movies and I, I watched Natural Born Killers and I saw California after the fact and I was like oh what she's doing in Natural Born Killers is just like the character itself is just so much better because it's not just I'm sad that I'm with the bad guy or like you know or feel you know, frustrated or whatever. Right. She's like, mm-hmm. has agency. I was just going to say she has a lot of agency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and even when like, she's like, fuck, why did you kill him? Like, this was like, we are not bad people. Like we're murderers, but we're not bad people. I'm human, man. I made a mistake. And, and you, you gotta understand dead. that you killed life. 
He fed us. He took us in there. Well, that is a harsh indictment. They were able to give her the exact same level of fucking badassery that they give to Woody Harrelson, which um, it's really fucking cool. I know you have some yeah. very complicated feelings about this movie, Kevin. So I will I give do, you. I do. I'll give you some moments to say your piece. Um, it's it's a movie that I have like right down the middle, like five out of ten. But it's so fascinating, and I could talk about it for because it's it's like what you're saying about like how he's talking about the media and all that, and it's like every single scene, it's like. It'll start out, I'm like, this is amazing, this is made for me, it's so much, it's the most movie movie ever, it's got, <laughs> it's got 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter video, all that stuff, and it's going all nuts, and then like, and, and then by the end of the scene, I'm just like, you have nailed the message down so hard <laughs> that it makes makes me think you think i'm stupid and i can't read the movie like and it's like that back and forth the entire time so it's just like i'll love it one minute and then i think it's stupid another minute it's just back and forth but the things that work in it boy howdy it works because yeah julia lewis is phenomenal in this by the end of it though you're right like it's like this dog is dead babe like we (laughs) get it the news is bad but i think at the time though this was probably the time when cnn had just started you know and Mm -hmm. like like the 24-hour news cycle has was just ramping up, um, and so it can kind you imagine a time before the 24-hour news? Cycle? I'm sorry, I, I, mean, know. I just I, I long mean, for it. But even like then, like CNN had just started, there was no social media. There was right. like, it was just like you turned on the news and like oh, the, imagine them thinking that was so sensational when like right now we're literally people right. write news posts about something one person will tweet like you know i was listening to this at oscar buzz episode on it again and joe reed said it so best it's just like this movie is like with with the, with the need of like being like violence is so bad why do y'all like violence so much and then having two characters that like you're making look cool while they do yeah. violence yeah is like a dad making a son smoke an entire pack of cigarettes to make his point it's just yeah. like yeah it's like yeah well, uh, that's, i mean that goes back to exactly what i was saying about the the sort of audience like participation of like looking at these characters and and the way that they sexualize juliet lewis and being like yeah he's bad but he also is the cool guy in the movie yeah and it it, it does it it definitely has that issue of being like murder is bad while the character's stabbing somebody yeah 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 for sure to cartoon noises um (laughs) (laughs) not to downplay natural born killers but she she says to this day people send her pictures of of them as Mallory, like, for Halloween. Wow. And she's just like, Wow, you proved the movie right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's, oh, so you are romanticizing yeah. this murderess. Yay. Cool. She, she's like, great, cool. Um, that brings us more to, like, a mid-90s period. But she, she gets her notices, and if Cape Fear was her breakout with the nominations, this movie is the thing that sort of cements her as a 90s it girl. Which I mean, is interesting, because then... She immediately starts like doing tip spots, not like she does. Yeah, she loves a good tip spot. So she she's in mixed nuts, and she's in more of it than I think I'm letting on. But it's not a huge role, even if she's in quite a bit of it. She's also in Strange Days, in which she's like she's the subject of the film for a lot of it, right? But she's not in it a ton, no, in right. all honesty. And she also and we talk about Strange Days in our Angela Bassett uh, episode. Angela Bassett. And if you want to watch Strange Amazing Days, movie. yeah, oh, I, I love that movie. So, but if you want to watch Strange Days for an actress, watch it for Angela Bassett. Yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> she's so amazing in that movie. Uh, and you know, she does the Basketball Diaries in '95, in which she's literally in two or three scenes. The same year, though, she, she turns 22 and she goes into rehab 
for drug mm-hmm. addiction. She's uh, addicted to both cocaine and prescription medication, and she ends up completing the Narcon program, which, most people don't know this, Narcon is, or at the time, was run by the Church of Scientology. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. I was waiting for that back door no, to oh, open. Narcanon. I want to get Narcanon. Narcan is the stuff you like. Yeah, I was like, yes, Narcan, Narcan is that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. That stuff is good, and you should know how to do that, especially if you're going into a situation where you might need it. Um, I actually yes. got training in that at uh, Blue Stockings, which is a great place. But that's a little plug for New York City. Um, in 96, she does The Evening Star, which is the sequel to Terms of Endearment. Huge flop. Um, and she also does From Dust Till Dawn in 1996. Um, yeah. And every time someone asks her about this movie in an interview, she's like, I did it because Quentin asked me to do it. Men love it. A lot of guys like that movie. I don't know. I don't know why that I get comments on it. I just did it for fun because Quentin asked me. I just did From Dust Till Dawn like, just for fun. He's like, hey, what are you doing this summer? My friend Robert Rodriguez is shooting this crazy vampire movie. Will you play the daughter? I'm like, yeah, okay, I could do that. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> like, so, she's just like, I don't want to talk about the vampire movie. Can we? So can we assume that through Narconon she gets into the Scientology world? Uh, I think I believe okay. her parents were both practicing Scientology, or, or at least her father was. Um, so there was background there. Unfortunately, I am a man, and I love from Dust Till Dawn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't have I don't have an issue with it. I I I'd watched from Dust Till Dawn right now. I love fun that's vampire so movie. Much fun. I also like like I like that the vampires look the way they look. Yeah. It looks so fucking weird. I'm like, I know. I love a good weird looking vampire. I don't I don't like the Twilight looking vampires. I want them to look fucking like bestial i think it only suffers on this show specifically because we've like had an opportunity to talk about it so many times we did a summer hayek episode we did a robert rodriguez episode we did a vampires on film episode oh so like goodness so yeah. if you want to we, we yeah, yeah, take, take yeah. a pick girlies yeah, yeah yeah but but she is very good in the movie and and she does have to deal with tarantino being real creepy about her so but it, also don't we all also, like, why would you pass that up if the the man who wrote it, Quentin Tarantino, asked you to be in it, and Robert Rodriguez, who's, like, up and coming at the time, yeah. like, yeah, fucking do it. Mm-hmm. In 1998, she appears in the movie Some Girl, which is weirdly a Marissa Ribisi vehicle, who is Giovanni Ribisi's sister. Um, Giovanni Ribisi, also Scientologist. Yes. Okay. Oh. I think Some Girl was the first movie I watched for this. Was Some Girl a play? No. No. Okay. Hmm. It, it felt a little bit like a play to me. Also, the guy from Clueless, once again, playing an asshole. I was like, he he, he got it down. Jeremy yeah. Sisto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Like I said, it was basically made to like be like, ladies and gentlemen, Marissa Rabisi. And you see how her career turned out. So. Broop. Three uh, people clapped. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Clap um, if you care. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> In, in 1999, the aforementioned the other sister comes Here around. I, you know, I did mention that we 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 should talk about it because it's a starring role. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. I don't think anybody went into this movie wanting to be like you know yeah. fuck you know people who have disabilities. Right. I forgot how awful Diane Keaton's character kind of is. She sucks so bad. She sucks so much. And then Tom Skerritt, who's essentially playing the same character he played in Steel Magnolias. Uh, Yeah, he is. Oh my god. (laughs) Where he's just like, leave leave my daughter alone. (laughs) Like, um... 
Yeah, it's tough. I forgot Sarah Paulson plays the... the Older the, sister. Yeah. The other sister, by the way. To, to like, literally, in your title, other someone, I think it's such uh-huh. a strange... Yeah, that is fucked up. <laughs> Don, like, of course I knew going into it, as soon as she started talking, I was going to start cringing for damn near two and a half hours. Yeah. But but Diane Keaton, her she has the weirdest trajectory where every time she's around... Lewis, she's so annoyed and wants to not be around her and is so embarrassed of her and then when she's not around her and people are just like so uh if she gets her own apartment is that going to be a problem and she like stands up for her and she's like she's one of the greatest people I've ever met and I love yeah. her so much and I'm just like this dichotomy makes no fucking sense dude <laughs> and it's got that like very soft it's a Gary Marshall film it's got that very soft Gary Marshall touch like it's it's directed like one of his romantic comedies and mm-hmm. once again Giovanni Ribisi's in it he's who's also playing a, a man with some mental disabilities yeah it's hard to sit through I mean I remember watching it as a yeah. young person and being like obs- not obsessed but I was just thinking like the turkey and like they want to have sex on Thanksgiving and like the marching band, which I, well, you know me, uh, yeah, you know me, yeah. I'm marching bands. Uh, and so yeah, I I also do think very problematic, but I think her performance she she has such a gentle touch. She's committed. The thing about this movie is, I was just afterwards, I was just like, okay, yeah, it was fucking embarrassing, awkward, blah blah blah. If they were not playing those types of characters with disabilities and they were just you know you know anybody that lewis would randomly play and anybody giovanni rubisi would randomly play it's still such a boring story yeah. <laughs> like no no you're not wrong like it's a very average like it's not well it, i mean like it, the whole because the interest the the pitch in the ho- in hollywood was like picture this but they have the, like you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure the, the words they used back then were fucking horrible, you know. Oh, yeah. like, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I so that the whole interest, the whole like reason for the plot is that she is this woman who is an adult um, and who has these developmental issues, um, and you know, if you take that out, it's like, what is this movie? It's nothing. Yeah. Um, so therein is like the problem with the movie, right? It's right. I'm gonna be a veterinarian's assistant. Wow. Um, but to do that, I need a high school diploma. I think the best thing for right now would be just to have a nice big long vacation and we'll explore your options later. I would like to explore my options now, Mother. 2000 comes along and she sort of retreats to indie films. You know, you get The Way of the Gun, you get Picture Claire from 2001, you get Gaudi Afternoon from 2001. And you get her in Enough, which is maybe the most high-profile, the Jennifer Lopez film. Mm -hmm. And she plays Jennifer Lopez's friend in that movie. But is there there any of those movies that you specifically want to talk about in this that's... it's. Uh, yeah. Slim Pickens. Like what? I, so first of all, I picture Claire was one of the first ones I watched also, and I was like, "What is this movie? Yeah. I don't understand anything that's going on. I don't. Uh, humans don't behave this way. So yeah. what the fuck? Um, it, 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 well, it, it, it was a movie. Yeah. It, if know. it makes you feel better, and I love Susan Seidelman who directed mm-hmm. Gaudy Afternoon. I feel like you could say the same thing about Gaudy Afternoon. It's like, mm-hmm. humans don't act this way. <laughs> what is happening? It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, the whole idea was like, oh, I'm a, a French Canadian who like yeah. somehow gets embroiled in this thing. Like, she wouldn't, just because she doesn't speak English doesn't mean that she'd be like 
I guess I'm murdering now and like what what the fuck like what uh-huh. I don't understand so whoopsie doodle like yeah like what there's I, there's a lot of issues with I that will movie. say I like that other actress what's her name oh Gina Gershon yeah yeah she's the best yeah, yeah. yeah. of course yeah Gina Gershon um, I, I like that I add an accent to her Gina Gershon Gershon <laughs> um what, uh, the way of the gun I saw that today and I was like huh. Uh, I know a yeah, lot of men who like that movie. I do not like that movie. We <laughs> no. covered it for Almost Major, and that, like, the first five minutes, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Ryan Philby posts Cruel Intentions. He is actively bad in the way of the gun. And I. His accent is one of the worst. I know people who love that movie. I genuinely know people who love that movie. It's well directed, blase, blase. To a point. <laughs> right yeah I, what i said in the episode it was just like the action i'm watching it and i'm more so just like oh he knows how to shoot a good action scene but i'm not yes. invested I'm, I'm more so like putting on a film student hat when i'm watching the the yeah. action scenes instead of just enjoying it but yeah it's I'm also one of those movie. it's also one of those movies where she's like actually the entire plot of this movie is not what you think because it's my baby yes. and i was like cool that's huh, position cool. yeah like i'm so glad that we cared at any point yeah, about yeah. this the baby's mine Okay, I'm sorry, but by yours, do you mean that, uh... I mean that the Chinex embryo didn't take, and this is my son that I'm carrying. So that means that you are Mr. Chinex? No. Dr. Painter. That sneaky little quack. But it wasn't his idea, it was mine. I made it happen because I needed the money. I made it happen. As far as movies around this period, you know, like, because the other sister is, like, her last starring role for, like, I don't know, like, yeah. 10, 15 years almost? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and um, this is also a period where, once again, she is considering retirement. And once again, she's, like, 25, folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. She gets an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Mira Nair film Hysterical Blindness in 2002. She Good plays... Ooh, I, I love this movie. You fucking love this movie. I do love this movie. So we've talked about uh, it a very tiny bit in the Uma Thurman episode, and we talked about it extensively in the Mira Nair episode. She plays Uma Thurman's friend. I think she's a fucking hysterical in this film. It's very 1980s, very big hair. We're also we're not talking enough about how Juliet is... is accent queen yes really. oh she, my goodness she's doing southern gal a lot but she's also doing like new york new jersey yeah. gal a lot with the big hair and like you know the, the... I, I will tell you a little bit later what accent she can't do oh, <laughs> oh no um one thing about hysterical bond is one uma thurman is just peak awkwardness in that movie and she's really i love great. her role in that movie and, <laughs> and, and maybe, uh, and maybe yeah. we should have talked about it more in the uma thurman episode but like i we talked about it so much in the mirror and i are episode but i genuinely i i really like it. it's on hbo max folks just right. go watch it um but the other thing i don't know if you guys know the tagline for the movie oh, is God. um is uh in the 80s they said love was a battlefield <laughs> they were right <laughs> they were right so think about that yeah really makes you think yeah, huh? yeah. Not, in the 90s love was different <laughs> it's true in the 90s sometimes we run sometimes we hide yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sometimes we're scared of you i told you dad a long time ago you gotta learn how to relax i know i mean it's like there's always something bothering you excuse me things just don't bother me okay things happen to me 
2003, she does a very mi- real minor role in Cold Creek Manor. Like, I, every time it cut to her, I'd be like... That movie oh, she's- fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, I was like, she's still, in- <laughs> she's still in this movie? I love that Kevin hates so many of these movies that he suggested no- we watch for this episode. Oh, uh, love you guys. Love this. I lo- lo- wanted to talk about uh, about halfway through it. I was like, Gavin, this was a terrible mistake. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I've this- made a mistake. This happens yeah. to us, man. This is not, you know... And and they can't they can't all be winners and she's got a lot of non winners in there. But yeah. but but Cold Creek Manor, I think also the fun thing about it is I remember specifically when it was coming out that it was really advertised as a haunted house movie and it's not a haunted house and it's movie. It's not. It's just yeah. Stephen Dorff being weird, which is yeah. like, yeah, okay, I don't need two hours to know that. And, okay. and she's and she's Stephen Dorff's like angry girlfriend who like it then like two thirds of the movie reveals that he beats like he like beats her in front of people and yet at the end of the movie like makes it seem like she's gonna get her revenge on his behalf (sighs) I don't Cold Creek Manor not a thing Uh, also probably my least favorite movie I watched out of this other than The Other Sister Um, wow that's saying a lot because I there's some other ones that were down there for me um she she also does old school in two thousand three, uh, and some very funny scenes like she's tip spotting about yeah t- exactly. Um, two thousand three is the first time she like really commits to being like I'm done with acting, hmm. and so she drops out and decides to form her band Juliet and the Lick. She turns thirty. She's like I'm gonna do music. Like this is what I wanted to do for a while. There's a really great short half an hour documentary. You can find it on. Red Bull's website? Is that where uh-huh. you sent me the link for? Yeah, yeah. Directed by Michael Rappaport, huh. who was in Some Girl. Correct. With mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And yeah, and it's about her. It's about the six years in which Juliet and the Licks were, they were just like a band. And cool. They, the initial six years, by the way, because they come back. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She like breaks up with them. Let me condense this real quick for you. Breaks up with them, starts her a solo career. Um, Gets a new band called the New Romantiques, and they they are her backup band. Sometimes she's performing just with them as the New Romantiques. Mm-hmm. And then this past year, after the like pandemic started to ease, she was like, I, I miss music, I miss live music and whatnot. And so she's like, I'm getting Juliet and the Licks back together. And so... <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, she... I... Watching that documentary, I was like, I would love to, I'd fucking love to see her live. She is. Oh, that's she how she got so the job much. in Gem and the Hologram. That is how she got the job. Oh Gem my god. Um, <laughs> um, she she does a bunch of music videos. Uh, she does Starsky and Hutch. She's in her like comedy era mm-hmm. where where she's she's doing like Daltrey Calhoun, which is a real oh, piece man. of shit. So um, funny. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> if you guys could see Kevin's face, <laughs> by, by a joke, any uh-huh. joke, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. she does. She does the French film uh, Blueberry uh, opposite Vincent Cassel. This is one of the films that Juliet got to be in with her dad, and they yeah. share a couple scenes together. They were both in the way of the gun, but I don't think they ever cross path her no. and her dad. Yeah, in two thousand eight, she's in Grand Theft Auto Four as the. She's um, in the video game? Yeah, she's Juliet. Playing herself, yeah. The Amazing. fictional radio station host. Oh, Amazing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, I just really want to get us to, like, 2009, where she's in Whip It. With yes, Barrymore's. thank God. Yeah. Oh, my and goodness. she plays Iron Maven, and she's, like, real antagonistic. You know, the first time she meets Elliot Page, she shoves him in a locker, and 
Why did we talk about this movie? Previously? We talked about this movie because of pageant films. Pageant films. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And uh, yeah, this movie is delightful. Delightful. I, I just don't. I I get my life watching Whip It, and it makes me sad that Drew Barrymore has not directed since. I know. I love the fact that Steven Spielberg has been like, "Can you please direct again?" Yes. Like... <laughs> I love that uh, Juliet gets to just be like a bitch from hell, like really unapologetic, and like. You know, throwing people in pools, getting into food fights. Like, it's great. It's great. And she's just like this shaggy. She looks like a rock star, which she is. Yeah. Hey, you're you're Iron Maven. That's right. Kiss ass. Why don't you suck up a little harder? There's still part of your face that doesn't have duty on it. She does the comedy The Switch with Jennifer Aniston, um, which is funny because I had never thought about it until now that like, oh, pit exes. Um, yeah. Uh, she she pops up in Conviction, doing maybe the worst Boston accent I've ever heard in my entire life. And I do want to say this: the Boston Society of Film Critics gave her the award for Best Supporting Actress. Wow the 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 Bostonites welcomed her with they, open arms. They said oh, the scene. Cleared, yes. <laughs> they said scene stealer. He told me that he got picked up for murder in air, and that they couldn't pin it on him. And he laughed about it. I'm like now moving along real quick. I think the next big high profile thing is she does is August Osage County uh, opposite Julia Roberts and Julianne Nicholson. They're they're the three daughters in the family um, and they're having return home for their dysfunctional mother, Meryl Streep, um, after their father commits suicide. All set in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. My friend was a PA on it, yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It, it's based on the Tracy Let's Play. And let me tell you, the play is much better. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. People didn't lot like this movie. No. Do you like this? Yeah. Um, didn't get to her because I knew she was, you know, not Julie Roberts or Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> but and, but everything I've heard is, you know, uh, scene chewing the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's the problem is that it's it's so scene chewy, you know. Yeah. Just watch the clip of Julia Roberts saying eat the fish bitch, that's eat, all you yeah, need. Yeah, eat the fish bitch. That's what <laughs> everybody remembers from it. That's all you need. She does a couple more independent films, Hellion in 2004 and uh, 2014 and Kelly and Cal in 2014. I saw Hellion. Yeah, I I I thought she was good in Hellion. Yeah. Um I'm fucking tr- teen boys are scary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, she is just playing a, a, a mom or she's not a mom but like she, uh, she's an aunt in this movie mm. but like it's nothing too crazy which i don't think we get until we do get uh, like she plays a mom and ma yes and i'm just like oh this is she's not the titular ma who's yes. like being fucking crazy <laughs> right uh, she's she's a mom and nerve she's in she's in she's, the mom era unfortunately so she's she's a mom in kelly and cal and i don't know if either of you saw this movie didn't get I, to it i really like this it it got like a couple mixed reviews when it came out and i uh speaking of hello and i i think it's because you know it like moves towards she's a she's a mother a re a recent mother who's like kind of in the midst of perhaps a postpartum depression and her and her husband are not having sex the way she wants to and, and she meets her 17 year old uh next door neighbor who is a, a 
a boy who was recently paralyzed in a car accident. Hmm. And so they start this relationship. And unfortunately, it does sort of become a romantic relationship. And I, that's the area I wish it sort of hadn't moved into. But I do like the meditation on depression and how depression often drives you to do things that you wouldn't necessarily do. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people forget that because they think like, oh, it's just a movie. But I was like, I actually think there's something a little deeper going on here, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, at the same time, there's a scene where she dyes her hair blue, and it's the worst wig I've ever seen. It's, like, it's not even a la- it's not even a lace front, and she wears oh. it for like two or three scenes. And I'm like, baby, like Girl. that is just a wig. Like oh, no. the, bu- the, the budget really was suffering <laughs> on that one. Absolutely. After this, it's a lot of TV. In all honesty, Gem and the holograms. Oh yeah, Gem and the holograms. Uh, Sorry, yeah. how could Go I ahead. forget that? Gem. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, um, What's her real name? What is it? I used to watch Gem and the Holograms because I'm old. Jer- Jer- um, Jerica. Jerica, yes. It's Jerica. That's yes. a fake name. Okay. Um, Jerica Gem Benton. Um, that movie sucks. That movie sucks. And you know what? If they went the cartoon route, if they like did the, like when she touches her earring and she says synergy at showtime and they did the whole like transformation yeah. shit, it'd be so much better. Yeah. I was like, just lead into the campiness shit. Right. I, uh, it's so funny because this movie is everything that Josie and the Pussycats could have been if Josie and the Pussycats was bad. Yes. Because oh. like she, she's once again to, to bring up the Parker Posey. She is the Parker Posey. She's the Parker Posey character. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I, I fully... I, I thought the exact same thing. I said, Jem wants what Josie has. Yeah. Because... And couldn't have it. And they couldn't have it. Because, I mean, this is directed by, what, John Chu? Yes. And I was like... In the Heights, John Chu. In the Heights is John Chu. (laughs) Uh, But, like, I I don't know what fucking uh, rules Hasbro gave, but it was full... I was like... She's so outrageous. Where is it? Truly, truly, truly outrageous. I was like, this movie is just like teen girls on their like iPhones being like, I love myself because I have pink shit on my face. It's like, what the fuck? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, unfortunately didn't get to watch this. Good I'm for sorry, you. Good. Don't. Don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they like set it up for a sequel that's going to be more oh, like a coming. cartoon. And it's, it's coming. No, it won't. It failed. Oh, it, no, it damn it. John Chu's busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, like you said, you know, like I said, it's it's TV, TV. and moms. She's a mom in Nerve. Uh, <sighs> she's she's a mom in the Ma. She's showing up on uh, Roseanne slash the Connors. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's doing a spot in the like. Very short-lived Jennifer Garner, David camping. Tennant sitcom Camping, which I, I watched one episode of when it came out. was like, Jesus Christ, we have sunk real low, everyone. Um, <laughs> Back here with the dance floor. Um, she she does a guest spot on the act, the Hulu show. And and literally it is. And then, you know, she after doing Ma with Tate Taylor, she also does a bit in Breaking News in Yuba County, which we mentioned last week. Correct. And, I've which never is a movie heard of I that hate. until I started going through her movies. I'd never heard of it. Oh She's good at it, though. She's good. She, she I, will, I will give her that. I fucking hate that movie, though. Yeah, it really sucks. <laughs> um, it's so bad. Why is Tate Taylor famous? Uh, the Help. So, oh. so uh, when somebody go- tells you who they are the first time, except yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 gossipy sidebar. Okay, oh. he he wanted Juliette Lewis for. Jessica Chastain's role. Oh. And she, she was busy. Doing what? I don't know. Jamming the holog- Other things. <laughs> Stop. 
Okay. <laughs> Touring. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that was. No, you're right. Oh, my God. You were right, actually. Yeah. yeah she's, she's like, I'm rock and roll right now, guys. Yeah, I'm rock and roll. I can't. <laughs> I'm painting my face. <laughs> like, um, which leads us, though. Which, to... which, funny enough, she actually doesn't paint her face when she's in rock and roll mode. She doesn't go out on stage and make up her name. Yeah, she's like, I'm not interested in that. Uh-huh. But now, which most people would know her now is Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets, which, which people fucking love. Which people She's love great. and is, is playing on that nostalgia of being the 90s it girl. I do just delve very quickly into personal life. Um, in 1999, she married professional skateboarder Steve Barra. They divorced in 2003. I don't really know much about that relationship other than that. I haven't um, heard her talk about it in anything. So yeah, yeah I didn't know that. She, she has had addiction problems in the past. Sometime, and based on that documentary uh sometimes she drinks now sometimes she doesn't because she like in the documentary she's like uh, she like injures herself at one point <laughs> performing and she's like i really want a whiskey but i decided i wasn't gonna drink for a year and it, unfortunately we're still in that year <laughs> and, Good for uh, her. Yeah. um she you know ha- did complete narconon and she considers herself both spiritual and a christian and when she was involved in the Church of Scientology, she said, you know, most people don't know. You can be both. You Scientologist, Christian. I also just think that's something Scientologists say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but as of December 2021, she's no longer involved with them. Several accolades. Uh, in terms of being philanthropic, and we like to talk about philanthropy on this show, not a ton. And that's a little, that's a more... You know, maybe maybe she just doesn't think it's her place, but she supported Little Kids Rock, which is a U.S. nonprofit organization that works to restore and revitalize music education in disadvantaged U.S. public schools. Uh, and that does so by painting a Fender Strat guitar and donating it to an auction to raise money for the organization. Neat. And that's it. That's all I've been able to find in terms that's of the charity. most like celebrity type. Yeah. <laughs> philanthropy I've ever it's heard of. It's a fucking guitar. Have fun. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> we um, the guitar. Let's have some money. But yeah, I think that really like it is an it is a really interesting career because she did so much so young and it's so concentrated in the nineties and then it's very spread out and all over the place and and very she, all over the place and, and oh, yeah. she you know she leaves the business to be a rock star for a while and she she really when she's doing her rock star thing she gets really offended when people are like oh you're an actor who's trying to be a rock star so I think that sort of brings us to the present for Juliette Lewis. So why don't we get into the part that I know nobody really wants to do. Let's talk about our one-star reviews because there's a couple in the mix and we got to get them out of the way. Oh, goodness. Kevin, my friend, I know it's tough. Me first. Oh, no. As our guests. As our guests. We like to torture our guests. You wanted to be here. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Um... should I should I go by her initial performance or the movie as a whole? I I pick performance. Louis sometimes okay. does movie. I, I I'm controversial. I you know it's oh, a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's a feeling. For I me, have, I, I it's mostly like what offended you more. You know, like yeah. what did you what? Uh-huh. Is it the whole movie? Is it her? Like whatever it is. If you came away being like that, I never want to fucking see that again. Okay. Well, I, I I got two different options. One, okay. her, wor- her worst performance is The Other Sister. She's committed, but boy, howdy, it's embarrassing. The worst movie that I watched that she was in was Cold Creek Manor. Um, yeah. But I can't, that's not a Juliet Lewis movie. Um, sure. But, but, sure. But yeah, both of them two hours long, interminable. Get it out of here. Get it out of here, he said. Get it out of here. Yeah. Um, I, I, know we, I know we talked a lot about The Other Sister, 
I mean, now's your opportunity to really give Cold Creek Manor the business. What was it that that offended? Because I can tell you exactly when she, as a character, lost me, which was when she's like, like it's about a family and they move into a house and you have you have Kristen Stewart as the daughter, uh-huh. yeah, who yep. utters my favorite line in cinema history, in which she accuses her father. Of going, she just goes. You killed my pony. Um, <laughs> brilliant line delivery. But anyways, it's a family that moves from the city into this dilapidated house that they're gonna. It's a real fixer upper. Okay. And some strange shit starts happening, and it turns out it's actually Stephen Dorff, and he's like, being a fucking freak. Yeah, he's like a weirdo who killed his own family and um, put and, snakes in their house. Real yeah. devious shit. Yeah. And and his his girlfriend is Juliet Lewis, and Juliet Lewis like meets this family. And, like, hates them instantly, and I'm not sure why. But my the moment she lost me is when they go out to eat, and she's, like, at the bar with them. But not with them, but, like, at mm-hmm. the bar. And she's, like, eavesdropping, and she starts, like, making fun of them. Like, they're high-class British people. Like, oh, like, oh, did you look at the stock market today? And I was just like, what is happening? Why are we watching this? <laughs> yeah. We send everyone Christmas cards every the year. The Christmas cards. But... I haven't gotten one back yet. Okay, now this is a bit of a sore point, but I, I don't think it's anything personal, you know? Did you guys get a card? I didn't get a card. I got two cards. You oh, you're your kidding. Card, you didn't get a card. I got a card. I didn't get a card. I'm so excited. I got two cards. Yeah, like you were saying, it was like marketed as like this haunted house, like type of, he, he uh, Quaid is going to find like the secret behind the house. And then he like starts to research it and has all these videos and whatnot and then i feel like that just kind of just drops and then they're just like yeah but we, we got the Stephen dwarf of it all to do with this <laughs> you know uh yeah because growing up i always thought you know i i knew that nobody liked it but i was just like well it's a horror movie and i'm gonna have to watch it but it's not even really a horror movie it's like a thriller drama pony killing exp- experience i don't know i hate uh, movies like that Ugh. i know it's the worst but yeah uh cold creek men are very bad don't watch it Louis, I'm gonna let you take the next. Okay. So I I I hemmed and hawed, um, just because uh, I think even in the bad movies, she is mostly like giving it to me. You know, mm-hmm. like I I hated watching California, but I think she's so good. I think that one of the pleasures of watching Juliette Lewis is when she plays because she does play a lot of women from the South or yeah. uneducated women. It feels. Like, she's coming at it with so much love, and she doesn't judge these characters. She brings so much humanity, you know? And it, you just, like, insta- it's that thing, like, we talk about how, you know, sometimes when movies expect us to like people yeah. or characters, even though they give us no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she brings so much goodwill. It's like, you instantly do love this character, even though you're like, oh, this is kind of a fuck-up thing you're doing. But so, I'm choosing truly off of, like, what I think is a movie that she is giving nothing is 2015's Gem of the Holograms. Um, that movie is nothing. Like, it's it's so weird because it's for... For a franchise that has an actual story, like, uh, that has actual, like, you could go and find plots to, yep. like, you know, tell a story. Yeah, there are 
hours of yes. cartoon television that's trust me my sisters had the dolls like i <laughs> i'm just now noticing or just now realizing in this episode the that movie is based on something so uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. yes. yeah 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 a, yeah a toy line too nonetheless uh, like they were hasbro was very famous for creating toy lines and then creating cartoons to complement them to sell those toy lines yeah. it's a similar situation with he-man he-man She-Ra, yeah, right, right. yeah yeah and so I don't know why they thought, like, I don't know what was happening in the world where they were like, Gemma Holograms needs to be rebooted or whatever. Right. Um, Especially getting John M. Chu to direct it, who right. I, I believe, and I'm, I might he's be... He's a step-up guy. He's a step-up guy, but also mm-hmm. I think he directed the second G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. Which they, mm-hmm. which they allowed to be, like, fantasy, like, ninja. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, at a certain point you can't not have ninjas because it's G.I. Joe. Right. But, like, to, to like be like no gem can't be like a superhero like she is in the show right she's She's just a normal girl we're all gem (laughs) and like i the it's the one of the worst cliches that's uh in in modern cinema is the like are you seeing this we're going viral it's crazy yes (laughs) that fucking thing happens and that's why gem becomes famous um but uh, to get to Juliet and her performance, I just think, like, she knows this, this movie's bullshit. She knows that nothing's happening yeah. here. And so she is giving just nothing. It's just, like, this entertainment industry is tough, and you need to do it. And it's just, like, so wooden and stilted. Jerrica Benton, come over here. Jerrica Benton. You are cute <laughs> and quirky. <laughs> and no longer Jerrica. Uh, what do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? The whole world wants to know who you are right now, which means so much free publicity. This is exactly the artist that Starlight has been looking for. Equal parts talent and mystery. Talent, mystery. Which reminds me, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all of that, until further notice, none of it. Whoever plays her son in this movie, he's like the hot guy from The Boy Next Door, the movie where Jennifer Lopez fucks The Boy Next Door. Titular role? Yeah, he's the titular (laughs) Boy Next Door. But, like, this movie wants to be, like, fun music and, like, fun, like, adventure, but it's just so bad and so boring. And it it sucks because, like, um, there are some really talented people in this movie. Yeah. And it is just, like, it feels like a movie that Hasbro or, like, I don't know, Universal or whatever fucking, like, squeezed all the life out of. And we're just, like, Put some wigs on it. Yeah. Um, write some reject songs from Haley Steinfeld and call it a day. Um, Not Haley Steinfeld. The, the songs yeah. sound like Haley Steinfeld rejects. <laughs> Damn. No, no Damn. shade to Haley, but a little bit of shade to Haley. Yeah, I uh, guess so. <laughs> uh, so, Gavin, what you got? Uh, so, I'm going to go with 2001's Picture Claire. I normally don't like picking movies that people probably won't see, but I didn't uh-huh. want to give it to Conviction because. I another movie nobody has seen. Okay, but that's not the movie I've come to talk about. I've come to okay. talk about 2001's uh, Picture, Claire. Picture Claire, which was directed by Bruce McDonald, who we mentioned we brought up before because he directed Pontypool, which is a great, good time. Good yeah, time. so good. A, a zombie movie that he says is not a zombie movie, but we talked about it in Zombies on Film, and I love that so, movie. Yeah, um, uh, he hasn't he said he hates this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, well he he hates it. Because his relationship with this movie is complicated because he really thought they were making the first like Canadian film that would break through the mainstream in the United States. 
and then apparently the producer like min- like micromanaged him to the extent that he ended up stealing the negative of the movie and making a documentary slash director's commentary right. to it, which has now played film festivals. Right. Isn't it called like Hat Claire or something? Yeah, Claire's Hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, if anybody can find me this, I would fucking love to see it. As you mentioned, she plays a woman from Quebec. Uh, spoiler alert, she does not speak with a Quebec accent. She speaks with a full French accent the entire movie. <laughs> she, yeah, well, I she, was like, she, wee, 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 girly, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, she's not, and I, like, I know people from Quebec. I know I've met actual French people. She's not doing... I even brought Dan in at one point, my boyfriend, who, like, went to school in Quebec and was he was like yeah she's not doing Quebec like she's doing but she she speaks French the whole movie and she she ends up running across all these criminals and like that's I I feel I would elaborate more but the movie's kind of iffy on the whole thing you Mickey Rourke is I was gonna say Mickey Rourke's in it for a hot minute yeah until I forgot yeah Gina Gershon strangles him to death in a donut shop Mm -hmm. and uh the movie starts it's a very run lola run it's that sort of style of editing it's also got all these like really weird shard type editing that they mix yes. in yeah oh my god oh, yeah i was wow. like oh there is some style thing yeah it's trying here. to be very showy um also it does this really weird thing where so she's new to toronto and it makes toronto feel incredibly small mm-hmm. because she runs into the same six people over constantly and, over. <laughs> and mm-hmm. even to the point where there is a man who runs an antique store who also forges documents and like forges a bunch of stuff for Gina Gershon and then these hired killers show up and kill him and then Claire Juliet Lewis's character just happens to stumble onto his store which is unlocked because these hitmen just left him dead in an unlocked store, which is deranged. On yeah. top of that, in that scene, suddenly there's a bunch of Wizard of Oz metaphor. She sees red <laughs> shoes in the window. Yes. She puts on the red shoes. That man's dog starts following her. And I was like, what are we doing? Why are we doing yeah. this? I, I mean, the thing is, like, that whole movie, she's just, like, running around the city with confusion face. Yes. Furrowed eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And also the movie wants to to eat its cake and have it too by being like, she doesn't understand English, except for when she does. Right. J'ai passé toute ma vie à Montréal. Depuis que je t'ai rencontré, les rues sont pas pareilles. Can I help you? Uh, Billy Stewart? He's not here right now. He's, I think, a little nervous, you know, Billy. Oui, Billy. Billy Stewart. She's just like confused and sad running around Toronto being like, Billy, Billy, <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy. And it's like, what is going on? Humans do not behave this way. Um, I wish I could say this was her last collaboration with Bruce McDonald, but she, in 2019, she actually did a movie with him called Dreamland, which is a like pseudo follow up to the credits scene in Pontypool. Huh. Sure. But she didn't have a lot to do in that movie. She gets to play a countess and laugh a lot. So she's, Very that's good. fine. Very I watched <laughs> watch that and was like, why? But yeah, this is a, a truly terrible performance. I don't know what they were asking of her. Same. But I can't imagine. They said, just throw your eyebrows. Eyebrows. Yeah. Eyebrow work. Yeah, run around and being like, no, no. Billy. Although yeah. the scene where she goes into the art inst- institution and like tries to rip down her picture. Yeah. Yes. It's like, what the fuck? Dude? Yes. <laughs> that yeah, was, that like, was funny part i felt like that movie could have been resolved 
a billion times. Yeah, somebody just picked up a fucking phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Are there anything else that we should mention that we really didn't like is was uh, kind of in the dregs. What one that was kind of uh, we was was kind of okay was a. Uh, uh, my Louisiana Sky was a TV movie. I she didn't like the best one. I that was kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. She um, she got a nomination for that movie too. I just didn't bring it up because it was it's more on the TV side of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. TV. I will say, uh, Romeo is bleeding. Is yeah. Such a bonkers movie. I it, it's uh, oh you wanted a twist, huh? The yeah. movie. Uh, Don't and... Calhoun is truly terrible. Also, so yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I will say Open Road, which is a movie I did not even mention in the rewind, which is a brazilian slash american film in which literally a young half american half brazilian girl decides to like pretend to be poor because she can hey when that happens and like the i will say um the only reason it didn't make my one star view is that Juliette lewis plays a gossipy uh restaurant owner that hires this girl at one point and i was just like you know she's living she's having her life <laughs> she's just whispering behind her back like you know how that girl lives like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it's a, a truly terrible film also down there for me is the evening star i would say yes i did not revisit it for this yeah i haven't I seen, seen it. it that was that was gonna be like if i if i watch one more it'd be that since you know it's terms of endearment sequel blah 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 so i will say that um uh god the leading woman in this movie shirley mcclain, shirley MacLaine is so good and everything yeah. and <laughs> the woman was literally born to play like women who fucking don't have time for your shit <laughs> mm-hmm. real quick like room to rent because it was a nightmare to try to get that movie so oh, i want yeah. to touch on that real quick such a strange thing in her filmography like strange a hollywood movie. movie and she's yeah. like the only american in it so strange i didn't hate it because i think it has that like early not the stylization but that early like feeling of of danny boyle that like indie oh, okay. um oh, yeah. that like indie early 2000s british feel yeah. and i actually really liked her marilyn monroe impression the entire time it wasn't it wasn't like nuanced no, but, I, but i don't no. think the character she was playing was going for nuance either i've given it lots of thought and um i've decided i can help you yes great but you sound a little bit american don't you think it's gonna be a problem? <laughs> it's because I am American, silly. The movie just takes a lot of fucking weird turns. Yeah. So she just many like weird stopped turns. being Marilyn. Yeah. Like <laughs> the reincarnation bit. Yeah. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. That's what I mean by that like weird like nineties or two thousands like like British indie energy where you're just like, where is this like what is what is this movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Are we, are we good with our one stars? I think we're yes. good with our one stars. Okay. Let's do our positive bit. Let's move into our five star reviews. Yay! I mean, it's pretty easy for me. I, I think her best role is in Natural Born Killers. She's given. You, you, I think of Julia Lewis. I think of Natural Born Killers. Yeah. I think of her. As soon as I think of her, I think of her listening to L7 in the opening and beating the shit out of rednecks and screaming, Who's sexy now, fucker? Like, <laughs> all so the good. time. So good. Now! There is no escaping here! Who's lucky one? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a redneck by its toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. My mama told me to pick the best one, and you are it! 
when did you like first like you guys saw this oh. movie like back in oh i saw it at way too young of an age i oh, i mentioned yeah. on this show before that i had hbo illegally and so <laughs> when, when it like came on hbo and i wanted to see it you know what it's like what 95 94 yeah 94 so i was like 11 <laughs> And, and you were like, who's sexy now? Fucking yeah. like walking around. <laughs> Me and my blonde wig. Yeah. Like. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, so when, yeah. When were you first introduced um, to this? It's, it had to have been like early middle school. I probably fell down the rabbit hole around that time watching all the Tarantinos. And then I was like, oh, he wrote this and blah, blah, blah. And of course in like sixth or seventh grade, this was like the greatest fucking movie ever. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and just the rewatch of it and just how much it's tanked, but also it's this little nineties curio. It thinks it's doing so much and it's so in it's, your face and it's, it's, it's just so weird. Yeah. It's just such a, such a strange product of its time that I will continue to go back to and then be like why did i rewatch this and then like months later i'll be like man that was really good wasn't it and then i'll eventually rewatch it and be like quit making this movie up in your mind it's not that good <laughs> but I also, it's just fascinating regardless i also think what's interesting about it too is there was a lot of fear specifically in the late 80s but but really came around in the 90s in terms of filmmaking i mean there's a lot of fear for other reasons for this movie but but in terms of filmmaking of the the like supposed mtv takeover of, of what film was going to be mm-hmm. and i almost feel like part of this was like oliver stone being like you want to see a fucking mtv movie you want to see a music video expanded into two hours i'll fucking give it to you mm-hmm. and so like that it has that quality it's it's so you know not to assign uh, a human quality to something inanimate but it has such manic energy it's yeah, oh, yeah. it's so all over the place and it's never the same thing from from one minute to the next and it's it's fascinating and like i said earlier you know i it's hard to deny the fact that it's a masterpiece regardless of if you hate it or if you love it because a masterpiece could still be a bad thing yeah, yeah. i mean to uh illuminate a little bit i guess the story it's you know this young woman she meets this fucking crazy guy and he's like let's get the fuck out of here they kill her parents um because Rodney Dangerfield is molesting is molesting yeah 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 Yeah, and they basically just go on the run a lot of this movie is about like what makes a murderer what's a demon what's like the devil like that's mm -hmm. what I was gonna say is there's definitely also a lot of like really unfortunate like 90s guru self help Mm -hmm. like like all the native stuff yeah all the native stuff and like how we thought about mental health in the 90s and Mm -hmm. yeah pop psychology I believe is the what I was reaching for yeah reaching your honor yeah but it very much (laughs) feels that way though because it's very much very much like uh, we all could be murderers. Yeah. Am I the devil or are you the devil? Like, am I, like, Woody yeah. Harrelson's like, am I the bad guy or are you, Robert Downey Jr., the bad guy? Like, are you all who romanticize? There's so many cuts of people being like, oh, I love them. They're amazing. Yeah. They're so fucking cool. Yeah, they get like a Bonnie and Clyde type reputation because mm-hmm. they sort of tour the country right. murdering people. Yeah. And, but like, Juliette Lewis's character has romanticized it in her mind that they're like, n- they're only killing those who deserve it. And Woody right. Harrelson is not <laughs> so you know yeah um, yeah and very... it's set to nine inch nails music so i have yes. to i have to love it on some on some level yes very good pick kevin um i again hemmed and hawed but um i think i have to go with cape fear i just oh, yeah. think yeah she's so i it, it upsets me that i'm choosing something so early in her career no i get it though but... i do get it and she did get her academy award nomination for it which yeah. once again like 
the Academy Awards don't matter until they do. As yeah. I'm very fond of saying. I just think that her performance there is so intricate and layered and um, interesting. And she's it's one of the few spots where she gets to play fragile and, you know, young woman who is eventually going to be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. but is not, you know, complete, like not from the get go broken, yeah. not from the get go, like, you know, um, and a lot of those other movies in that era, like, it's like, she's introduced and it's like, here is this broken girl. She, yeah. here mm-hmm. she is, you know, who was molested, was, you know, there's a lot of movies where she's fucking molested well, the, by her, her father yeah, figure. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, I was going to bring that up earlier too, because when we were talking about California and she has that horrific story about being raped when she was 13, yeah. it's just like, why is this the background for a lot of her characters? But I think it goes back to that like 90s pop psychology that everybody wanted mm-hmm. to be like, there's a reason that why? you're this way. And, yeah. and because you're a woman, it has to be some sort of sexual assault. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a movie though that, you know, even though the bad guy eventually wants to to get there that's like the goal for him right, right? to fucking re- ruin this lawyer's life who like you know broke some fucking rule and didn't show that the woman he raped was like a sex worker or whatever yeah right he wants to ruin his life and take away you know the innocence in his life of the daughter and his wife Jessica Lang. but you know she's able to be just a teenage girl who is exploring her relationship with her parents and right. growing up my parents brought me here of course where sex is back at the house shame i had hoped we could read aloud from it together well i um i memorized some for you did you yeah did you yeah well i'm impressed which part the, the part you know what part, you know. I don't think you did your homework. That scene in the auditorium is just so good. It's, it's so fucking good. They keep asking her to do it in movies after that, you know? Yeah. Like, it's right. just... Yeah. And, 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 and it fucking works. Like, you know, in these horrible movies where she has to... Uh, or she's playing, you know, these women who've gone through horrible things, you know, they are echoes of um, this character in... Um, Cape Fear. So yeah, uh, when when Scorsese was doing that scene, she she said that like one of the best things anybody's ever said is when they were doing that auditorium scene. He was like, I might have to do this a split screen because I don't know who to cut to because you yeah. both are just amazing. And she, and she said he was really smart to like roll two cameras because you don't often do that when you do a movie. You know, to have two cameras simultaneously rolling on. Yeah, yeah, both actors. I mean, and she's she's so young. She's so young, and she's just so good. She's yeah. so good. And and again, this is not a performance that's like her. You know, I think a lot of people when you think of Juliette Lewis, you'll think of like the yelly type roles, like the kind of off the wall roles. She doesn't do that until obviously the very end when he's fucking yeah. attacking her. Mm-hmm. A lot of, but she's giving so much, even in those other places in the movie. It's it's just so good. Big Oscar fans often talk about category fraud which i think is a little silly and and i think a lot of people get in their feelings about it but i would argue that she is more the lead oh yeah female in it than jessica lang she yeah. starts the movie she ends the movie a yeah. lot of it is about her relationship to de niro i think this yeah. is 
a case of like the the 90s where like there yeah. was no lead woman yeah. role like it's literally yeah, yeah. the no, uh, i mean jessica langs apparently had to ask scorsese to put in a scene of her talking to de niro because the original script didn't have it um i do also want to point out by the way this movie was originally said to be directed by steven spielberg oh and and scorsese was interested in doing schindler's list hmm. and spielberg oh. spielberg was like you should do this movie this is like a uh, this will cross you into the mainstream for, in terms of like popcorn movies and and I'll do this other dramatic movie and Scorsese read the script three times while making Goodfellas and he said he hated it because he hated the family because they were just too nice yeah, yeah, yeah. and I yeah. love that I love that he was like <laughs> he was like no the family in this Cape Fear is too nice well then he, he oh, re- okay good yeah. I was like please <laughs> um but uh, but yeah, the uh, I I love Cape Fear. I I also think yeah, it's great. So I'm gonna, you know, I I was debating actually both of those. So I so I think I'm gonna go in a different direction just because I think you know it's it's certainly not gonna win me the mixed reviews poll, which I don't care about. Uh, um, okay, someone's th- lying this week. No, no. I don't care about <laughs> <laughs> my ego isn't based on winning, and but I'm gonna go with what's eating Gilbert Grape. Mm. Oh, okay. As as I've mentioned before, I have issues with this movie, but I think she's particularly very great in this film. Yeah. She plays Becky, um, her and her grandmother, sort of not even whirlwind into town. She's like such a soft. That's what I like about her performance in this movie. Is she she's such a she's soft, a gentle breeze into yeah, town. Exactly. Um, they're stuck in town um, when the the international harvester uh, breaks down and it was pulling their trailer. And she sort of, you know, she meets this young Gilbert, who's this kind of shy, introverted, introverted guy. He has a mother who, after his father died, doesn't leave the house because she's ashamed about the weight that she's gained. And he has these two kind of comically overbearing sisters, which I was like, they're not terrible, but like they're they're enough that I was just like, what are we doing with these two characters? And and then he has this younger brother, Arnie, who has developmental issues. And he's like afraid to share his life with someone because of these things. Yeah. And also he's having uh, an affair with Mary Steenburgen, which rewatching this, I was like, this is why I thought Mary Steenburgen was so hot when I was a kid. <laughs> I fucking love her in this movie. I love her yeah. too. But I was like, Every I was like, is it the Ted Dance of Gulliver's Travels? No, it was What's Eating Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, she, you know, she represents this soft innocence to him. You know, the 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 Mary Steenburgen of the world sort of represents this forbidden fruit. And he's like doing this thing that he knows is bad because it's it's like gratification for him. Because I think he it's doesn't... It's something for himself. It's something for himself. And he doesn't see a life outside of his family he doesn't see a life outside of this town he he feels very trapped and oppressed by the people around him which in a way you could say is actually a little bit selfish too because he has put himself in this sort of like savior role and yep. nobody else can do anything but him yep uh and she sort of comes into his life and realizes you know teaches him that like things can be breezier and it's not all about the the face that you you know having to put on a mask to show the world he doesn't have to be tough all the time uh and i i don't know there's something sweet and innocent once again i do also kind of feel bad picking something so early on in her career but i love that it is so different because this Mm -hmm. is not she's not the person i would have cast in this role if this Mm -hmm. was the 90s this is but because she's such a formidable presence 
she becomes so memorable to me that she's able to come in and he gets to introduce her to his mom, something he didn't want to do before. And he, he says some awful things about his mom and truly. Mm -hmm. And that scene particularly is really good though, because the mom with so much shame says, yeah, I wasn't always this way. And then just like without missing a beat and just like the most easy breezy line delivery. She's like, I haven't always been this way either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, ah, oh, God. And that's, and that's what did it for me, too. Hello. Hi. I haven't always been like this. I haven't always been like this. <laughs> I'm not always for this sort of... The, the, there are elements of like after schooly specialness to it. It's a it's a very Lassie Hellstrom film. I I don't want to shy away from that, but I I think the gentleness with which she comes into the film and 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 permeates the scenes in which she's in, but also the force that that is underneath it all, yeah. the Juliet Lewis of it all. And she said in interviews, like, she didn't get into acting to play herself. So in my heart of hearts, I'm a character actress uh, who, I, I didn't start making movies to play myself on screen, you know, or, or to be pretty or to be liked, you know what I mean? I, I sort of want to create visceral experiences for, for my audiences. And I don't think right. she's playing herself here, but I think there's an element of her that shines through that makes me really magnetized to her character and all the scenes she's in. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, lo- I love her performance in one scene in Gilbert Green. Lovely. If I had to choose, like, a second one that I was pick, it would be That Night. Just because... Oh, yeah. yeah I love that, that movie. That's so sweet. Yeah. I, 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 um, if, if we're talking feel good, it yeah. doesn't get any feeling better than That Night. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. There, I mean, there's... There are other movies. I, I you know, Strange Days. Strange Days. Strange Days. Yes. How could you not talk about Strange Days? But once again, not not, not a Juliet Lewis movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the Whip It. Uh, Whip It. The other one that I I really genuinely liked, and and I, unfortunately, like I said, the reviews were really kind of um, middle of the road for it. Was Kellyanne Cal, and I, I I like seeing her do something weirder at this moment in her life, and be right. like be like I can play a normal person. But like, yeah, 2014 was a good indie year for her because yeah, that yeah. was the same year she did Hellion, which I thought was really good too. Yeah, like yeah. a different le- level for her. Before we get into our fast forward, let's do our mixed review review. My uh, one star review was The Other Sister from 1999, and my five star review was Natural Born Killers from 1994. My one star review was 2015's Gem in the Holograms. <laughs> oh boy. And my five star review was 1991's Cape Fear. My one star review was 2001's Picture Claire. And as it should be said in a picture, picture Claire, Claire. <laughs> picture and, that. And my five star review was 1993's "What's Eating Gilbert Grape." All right, let's get into our fast forward. Starting on Thursday, June 9th, twenty twenty-two, is Peacock's reboot of Queer as Folk. Yes. And so she plays a character in this. This is a, a, a new iteration of the famous 1999 uh, British series that Russell T. Davies created that was uh, loosely adapted from 2000 to 2005 in Showtime. Uh, Stephen Dunn, who's at the helm of this, uh, is like, we're not doing the, the Showtime show. We're doing the British show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, so yeah. He, he's like, changed it up. Changed it up. And uh, I like Stephen Dunn. He did 
uh, Closet Monster, which was a movie I really loved. Yes, from about yes, I saw that. And also, funny enough, the original director of Fire Island, when it was going to be a Quibi TV show. Wow. And wow. then, I'm, I'm excited for, to see that. I play a mother of a queer son who wants to do drag and all these things, and uh, loosely based on the creator's relationship with his mom. And, and it was really an honor for me to represent their beautiful um, relationship. There is something inherently queer, I think, about uh, yeah. Juliette Lewis. She just is like a badass woman who takes no shit. Um, and it really does feel like she's in her... She's back in her TV era. Because yeah. Yellow Jackets was a huge hit. I'm sure she'll be back for more. Yeah, I think she's kind of doing... We've talked about this before... I think she's kind of doing supplemental TV gigs to be like, oh. I I can do this for this concentrated period of time yep. and get the money from it. And then, which is not Couture. to say that she's not passionate about these things. She has said the reason she did Yellow Jackets was she read the script and was like, this is the best script I've, I've read in a long time. Though she also did publicly state that she wasn't ple- necessarily pleased where, where the writers went with her character. Ooh. So she's a lady who knows what she likes. And That's great. Uh, but but I think that that's what she's doing. She's doing these concentrated pockets of TV so then she can be like, and now I'm my music career. Yeah. yeah. She's only 47. She's yeah. not even 50 yet. That's so, it's, wow. Yeah, She's been with us so long. Yeah. And she's yeah. very anti-plastic surgery. So she's going to, she's going to age. And Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Um, what do we want to see from Juliet going forward? Kevin, it sounds like you really want her in an ooky spooky movie, huh? Oh, yeah, but I feel like if she was, she would just be the, the mom of some girl being like, hey, don't do that. So I'm not going to get a leading role from her. But that would, I mean, that yeah, that would be awesome. But yeah, just, you know, more leading roles. I, I'm not really interested in her just being the mom, like in Nerve and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I, I want to see her on full display. And every time she plays a mom and she's always like in a scene for like a scene or two, like in Hick right. also. And it's they, just like you, you don't get all all of her, and I want all of her like in like like in Cape Fear, like in Natural Born Killers, like in all that. There's well-rounded characters, you know. She's very good at that. So yeah, I want more leading roles for her. I have two very specific like wants and and unwants. Um, I I say this, I I feel like I say this close to every episode. I want to see her on stage, but I don't want to see her like on Broadway unless she's doing like fucking Hedwig. I want to oh, see yeah. her as Hedwig and Hedwig wow. and yeah. Like she needs to be able to spit and cuss and gnash her teeth and really dig into it. So like, I'd love to see her perform. You know what I don't want for her? I don't want a Marvel property for her. No. I don't because that's exactly what she would be doing in a Marvel property is she'd be right. like, she'd be like, I'm Darkhawk's mom. And that's, Jesus you know, that's Christ. That's, and I don't want that. And yeah. so you're right. I want leading roles. I want juicy bits. And I, I don't mind it when she shows up and, and can do that, like, flashiness or or even, like I said, in Gilbert Grape and do something a little bit deeper, but still have that spark to it. But it, it's so much fun to watch her in the, the lead and, and to be able to take the reins and, and do something. And I know there's got to be a project out there just like waiting for her yeah i mean i mean yellow jackets she's yeah. phenomenal in that but that's also like you know 
She's a big not ensemble. The, she, yeah, it's a huge ensemble. You're going back and forth through time and whatnot. And I, through a lot of the episodes, I'm just like, I wish it would just stay in the present day. <laughs> We're doing too much going back and forth, you know. But on on the same track of the fact that she's so young, Yellow Jackets is the first time she's ever had somebody play a younger version of herself. She has ah. said so. It was really weird for her to be like, "Oh, I'm that age." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I. I like her in rom-com mode. Oh, really? Unfortunately, no. there are just so many bad ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, it, I think she plays being in love so well. And she has so much chemistry with everybody. You know, like, I I believe her when she's telling us that she's in love with these men. And, oh, my God. And in Too Young to Die, when she's like, when the army dude's telling her to get the fuck out. And mm-hmm. she's just like, love me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Um, so you want her and an accidental husband. You're, you're just I, an accidental oh husband. I just want her, you know, I, I, I like her being soft. I like her being, like, flirty and, like, the wink wink. Um, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm so enamored by that night. And that's what I really want. You know, I, I miss the, the rom-coms where it's, like, not just, like, there's a lot of um, emotional stakes, you yeah. know, um, and and not like murder and blah, blah, blah. it's like I know she can do that. We we know yeah. we know. Right. Um, so, but but again, that that's just like they're not making those movies anymore, and yeah. I don't know that they will start again. But uh, I would like to see it, and I agree with you because she's a singer. Put her on stage. Put her on stage. Yeah. Put her yeah. off Broadway. Yeah, huh? let's do it. There are plenty of rock musicals that deserve like, yes. either either to get produced in the first place or to get revived. Yeah, and yeah. I'd love to see kill. her do it. Louis wants more catch and releases. That's you heard yes. it here. Can yep. we get okay? What also um, her most iconic performance? Probably that Instagram video of her singing along to Britney Spears. Do you oh remember? My yes. Oh, oh my god. Gonna, I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a performance. That was around the time that I was like. Is she still a Scientologist? Now I'm nervous. <laughs> well, isn't she, isn't she like, is this thing on? Are we okay? What the hell's going on? Can't you save us, Britney Spears? Can we be saved? Uh, that's the energy we need. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for bringing us. Yeah, this was a fun, oh, wild ride. Wild oh, ride. Wild, Ups wild. Ups and downs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, thank you guys so much. This is a dream. Love, love, love you guys. Stop love the it. show so much. That, that can't be possible. You have bigger oh. dreams than that. Um, <laughs> I don't. Anyways, um. <laughs> Kevin, tell tell the listeners where can we find you, your show, um, and all the amazing things that you're doing. Uh, I you can find me spewing bullshit about new metal on Twitter at Kev, at Kev Bonesy. Uh, I have a, a weekly movie podcast called Almost Major where we talk about many major studios and the films they release. Right now, we're talking about artisan films. Uh, Gavin was on it, and uh, on the next miniseries, you both are going to be on it, and that's going to be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, we do that every week with uh, my co-host Charlie Nash and Bryden Doyle, and it's it's a lot of fun. If uh, if I was not a part of it i would listen to it that's how much a niche and how much i love it i listen to it all the time i love it um and you're yeah. also fucking smart i hate it uh, <laughs> yeah we try um but yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh 1000 your guys' podcast huge inspiration for me starting mine so keep I mean, continuing what you're doing we love almost major yes and the 
I am so bummed that I I missed uh, the time Gavin was on, uh, but I every time you guys post like the movies that you have coming up, I'm like, oh my god, I fucking remember that movie. It's like such a yes. like, fucking yes. crazy like, and so it is so niche, but it is this like I, pulling at threads in the back of my brain. So cannot recommend enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for coming on. Absolutely, thank you guys. And if you want to compliment us the same way Kevin keeps doing, buttering <laughs> us up, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog like you've listened to this entire episode, you can find us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Audible. And all the things. And all the things. And also, if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by there. Leave us a five-star rating. Yes, I said five stars. And write us a little review. We are now up to 75. By the end of 2022, I want to have 100. We're also on TikTok, toxically. Yes, we're toxically on TikTok. Let me follow Um, that. Oh, it has cool. been a 95% positive experience, and thank you. And I I, made, I already made a friend of another uh, podcast, so who Excellent. knows? We're just, yeah. we're just making connections left and right. Absolutely. Um, it's Pride Month, and that is amazing. We have, like, merch and stuff on Redbubble from our last year's Pride collection. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's really fucking cool. It um, is. So you should all go- the artists by Louis. Louis is an amazing artist. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you guys Wait, can check that out. you do all out. the art? Yeah. Oh he's very goodness. good, isn't he? Wow. Yeah, I wanted to... I gotta do it, something. It, it... Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin does so much work for this podcast, um, including dealing with the angry teens on TikTok. Um, so... Um, yes, all good things. Be safe out there. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks, Kevin. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Say, say.